Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in the big, beautiful Town Bank building. We are also in the village of Whitefish Bay, and we are in the Equitable Bank building there, directly across from Winkies. And we're always happy to say that we are able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our offices and see our pictures, you can go to ellenbecker.com, and it's all on our website. Today is, um, I always love to interview people from our um, own office people who really work with our clients and make this make this work um, in so many different ways. And today, my guest is Sandra Geisler, and she is the director of tax planning. And this is actually something a little bit new for us. We've been doing it now a couple of years. And the reason we found it, we felt that it was so important is because. We always had so many tax questions, and we would call people's tax individual preparer, and it would be hard in playing telephone tag. And now we've got Sandra and her team right here <laughs> in our office, and Sandra sits down and works with our clients and helps them understand their op- options um, and some of the things that they may want to consider that will, first of all, save taxes but will also put them in a, in a better position tax-wise. And so, Sandra, nobody wants to be talking about taxes in June. We just got over that April <laughs> craziness, as did you. Absolutely. Um, you did so many taxes, your team. And um, Sandra actually does work with many of our clients, which has been a really gift for us in our organization. And so, Sandra, what are the things that you are sitting down and talking to our clients about in what is it first part of June? Oh my goodness, we uh, we have had so many wonderful conversations with clients. We, uh, as you mentioned, this is now the the second year that we've had tax planning services available here at Ellen Becker. And uh, every time I sit down with new clients, they're just so happy. Now, they're not necessarily happy to be talking about taxes, <laughs> um, but we try to make it as fun as we can. Uh, but it's so important. This is the key time. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that I so enjoy my job is in the past, I really had to focus on preparation. And that's really the end game. That's the end of the year, and all we're really doing is reporting what happened. When we meet with clients in May through December, we have an opportunity to to really, you know, have some change, to actually make decisions that are going to impact that tax return when we actually do the preparation. Um, and so that's why these are the key meetings. This is key time for us to be able to sit down with people dig into their individual situation, and really look to see what are the opportunities that we have to either save them tax money this year or certainly down the road as they get uh, possibly closer to retirement. You know, one of the things that um, when I think of this opportunity for us to sit down with our with our clients, I realize that most of our clients 
only truly think of tax taxes in April or at the end of the year. And most of them think about it as a gathering opportunity to gather everything and put it on somebody's plate and figure out how much they owe in taxes. And a lot of times people don't think of the planning associated. Sometimes people don't owe a lot of taxes and they think that that's the only um, thing that tells them if they're having them prepared right or if there's something else that they could do. But tax planning is so much larger than that. Planning, not doing taxes, but planning. So maybe you could talk about some of the things that you're talking about to give our, cl- to give our clients, our listeners, uh, uh, kind of an idea of what some of the things that maybe they could be doing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I start to work with uh, clients, the first thing that I do is I look at their prior year tax return. And I get a feel for who they are. I look at how old they are. I look at what they do for a living and what their income is. I look at the age of their children, all kinds of things that I look at. And then and then I review, uh, you know, the information that we have about them. Where are they going? You know, are they looking to change jobs? Are they looking to have more children? Are they looking to downsize their home? Um, and sort of kind of look to see what what their life plan is. Um, And then we start to look at, you know, the numbers. Then we look at, you know, where did they come in in the prior year? Where do we expect them to come in this year? Uh, Certainly one of the things that we look at is where they are in terms of the tax bracket. Um, Can we change that? You know, we have an opportunity, for example, with wage earners. We can do some things, some modifications to potentially their employer plans, like their 401Ks or their 403Bs. Sometimes we have an opportunity to save outside of those employer plans by putting money into a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. So we look at ways to potentially bring that tax liability down. Um, We look, as I said, we look at the bracket. We want to see where they're falling in that bracket and where we can make some changes. For example, in uh, retired people, sometimes we want to increase their income, which obviously is going to increase their tax liability. But if we can increase their income so that they can potentially pay less tax on a percentage basis this year than they will down the road, that's really good tax planning as far as I'm concerned. Well, I know one of the big questions that comes up in our meetings is required minimum distribution. And when you talk about planning, we look at someone who's in their maybe mid-50s, and we can kind of determine based on what they're spending what that retirement account is going to look like when they're 70 and a half. And, you know, the old saying was, put your clients as many tax-deferred things as you can because they'll be in a lower tax bracket when they retire. It's just not happening with my clients. Because you add pensions on there, you add Social Security or any other income, especially with people still continuing to work, and all of a sudden clients are in the highest possible tax bracket they can be in in retirement. It's like, how did this happen? And how it happened was people forgot that every time they saved a dollar in the retirement account that Uncle Sam got part of that dollar. And uh, now we're taking a look at where will they be in 10 years and when do we think they'll retire? And if they retire in five years, they've got five years between then they're retiring at 65, they've got five years till they're 70 and a half. Exactly that. You might want to start spending out of that IRA, paying tax now, even if you don't need it. And it, I mean, I have heard so many times people come and say, well, everybody always says, don't touch it till you have to. 
Right. I actually meet with a lot of people who are in that situation. I, I always refer to those as the golden years because from my perspective, those are the years and we can have the most impact when it comes to tax planning. So as you said, sometimes we have... We have very large accounts that have had the tax deferred for sometimes 30, 40 years. Um, And you can imagine that there's some real wealth built up in those accounts. Once somebody hits age 70 and a half, when they have to start taking those required minimum distributions, the IRS basically at that point says, you know what, you've deferred tax on this long enough. We want to have some money. (laughs) So whether you need that money or not, you're required to take that out. And that that is taxable income to you. And when you pass it to your children, should you, when you pass away, <laughs> they will pay tax. Exactly, exactly. And obviously that's something that we have to look at too. Mm-hmm. What is the estate plan? What is what is the end game for some of that wealth? Um, and so we, we very frequently... Uh, when people start talking about retiring, whether that's, you know, later in their 50s or early 60s, we try to say, you know, here's what we kind of think the plan is going to be under the existing tax law and and the balance of your accounts and and your lifestyle. Here's kind of where we think we're going to go for the next 12 or 10 or eight years. Um, And sometimes that's keeping the tax liability as low as we can. Sometimes it's increasing it to decrease the tax liability at age 70 and a half. I know that a lot of times clients are, um, I find that our clients are very accustomed to giving back to the community and um, in their lives have always done some charitable giving. And once we get to this point too, there are some options that they can do with their charitable giving against that required minimum distribution. But it is, again, planning ahead. So they could gift money out of there. That's the charitable giving for the next five years and maybe not give, and but take that deduction. So maybe you could talk a little bit about some of those options. Yeah. So one of the things that we look at, as you mentioned, from a tax planning perspective is charitable giving. If we're looking at clients who are charitably inclined, that's a really good strategy for us, uh, kind of a, on a twofold basis. One, um, it allows us to take deductions when we potentially have higher income. So if we have clients who are still working, for example, it's sometimes good to, to increase the deductions in the years that we've got higher income. Um, and so there's lots of ways that we can do that. Obviously, we can certainly just increase the amount of the contributions. Um, We're working with clients much more frequently now with donor-advised funds, and that's an an opportunity for us to be able to time our deductions a little bit better. You mentioned age 70 and a half and the ability to give from your IRA. That's referred to as a qualified charitable distribution. It's a very, very important planning strategy especially when our clients reach that 70 and a half age. So it allows us to take a tax deduction for that charitable giving without having to itemize deductions. So it's important to take a look at where you're taking that money from. So if you're taking a required minimum distribution and you're paying tax on that and spending it, and then you're taking money and giving it to a charity, the ideal situation would be to have the IRA send it to the charity, and now the charity gets it without paying tax on it, it's it saves a lot of money, and most people just don't realize that there's this opportunity. If they're not working with a good financial advisor and or a good tax planner, I think you're right. Many people don't know that they have that option. 
My guest today is Sandra Geisler. She is the Director of Tax Planning for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I actually have a a cute little story um, to tell you about my very first radio show. Welcome to Money Sets. I'm Karen, Ellen Becker, Founder and Senior Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Sandra Geisler. She is the Director of Tax Planning for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I don't know, we were trying to figure out the other day, the show is about 28 years old, started in right in Thanksgiving about 28 years ago, and one of my dearest friends is Sandra's mother. (laughs) And um, Jane was some of my very first guests in the very beginning talking about tax because I went to WISN, and at that point there was an individual on there that was selling um, AIM Weingarten funds, and I used to always tease my sister, how could you have him on there selling, you know, an investment? Everybody's not the same. And so his contract was not renewed. And my sister came to me and asked if I wanted to do the radio show because I'd been complaining about it for so long. And uh, I said, sure, I'll do it. And turned out that she went back to her company. She went back to WISN, and they said, oh, no, we're never going to have another investment show on again because when the market corrected, they got all these phone calls, and they had nothing to do with it. And this individual had sent out prospectuses, and everybody signed up. And I, she came back, and, of course, she's my baby sister, and I said, how can you offer me something and not at least give me a shot at it? And so that was really unfair to her. And she went back to WISN and said, my client, you know, we should at least interview her. And so they interviewed me, and I walked away with the radio show, and I never um, – and I thought I was going to get paid – but I had to pay $40,000, and I went to my boss at Dame Bosworth, and he said, are you crazy? You want me to uh, sponsor a show, and you're not going to sell or talk about actual investments? And I said, no, I'm going to one night talk about tax, one night elder care, one night um, estate planning, one night investments, and Friday night's open mic. And uh, so your mom was one of the first people on the show, and I worked with your mom, of course, I've known her forever. And uh, I remember I said, Jane, you've got to call and ask questions because I don't think anyone (laughs) will ask questions. And I had your mom and another friend and my uncle. Everybody was listening and called in and, and asked questions. And your mom surprised me and another friend of ours. And when the show was over, walked in with a bottle of champagne. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and we had, a, we had champagne at the studio. And I remember doing it for about a week and writing all these notes down. And finally, I went back and said, if I can't just do this from my heart, I can't do it. I said, because I felt like I was going to throw up every day trying to figure out how to do this. But so your mom and I have had a very long relationship. She helped me um, many times stepping in when I didn't have a guest and talking about tax. And, of course, tax planning, as you can see, is so important. And now here Sandra is, and she is the director of our tax planning. And one of the things that we talk about is that we are very transparent, and we have never, your mother and I never shared revenue um, with any of the attorneys that we work with. And so in your tax division, you are the director of it, and you are salaried. And you come in and talk to our clients whenever we need help. And you're working all year round doing tax, not just at tax time. And our clients don't pay extra for you coming in. It's part of the services 
that we give to our clients. You do taxes and charge for the taxes, but taxes are, I'm not going to say because I know you're going to say they're so easy. Because <laughs> it's, it's time-consuming and doing it. But the real value to our clients is, is that you're available for the tax planning. And that, I think, really sets us apart. Um, you know, knowing that um, there are only so many investments out there. And all of us as advisors and stockbrokers, we only have the same selection. We have to know which ones to use. And the only way that we can know that is to look at the tax planning, to look at the estate planning. And so I think that's the uniqueness of Ellen Becker Investment Group. And you just stepped up our game, Sandra. So we're very happy about that. Let's talk again about some of the other things that you are looking at for this upcoming tax season. Because the hardest thing I know for you to do is to sit down with someone, they show you your, their taxes from last year, and you say, it's too late to do any planning now. We should have started back at the first quarter of the year, which is we're kind of moving out of that first quarter to second quarter. So the timing is perfect, whether, I mean, giving, charitable giving, kids, health care, um, all of those things matter. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, there's there's just so many things that we look at. Uh, you know, for example, I, I mentioned that I like to look at the prior year return. And one of the things we look at is, you know, how much of a refund did you get or how much was your balance due? Um, and then we talk about, you know, does that make sense for the individual person? And uh, one of the things I think that a lot of people saw in 2018 was a real change to sort of that bottom line for them with regard to their tax returns. Um, as, as many people know, we had a lot of things going on in the tax world that changed last year. We had um, a new 1040. We had new withholding tables. We had sweeping new tax legislation. And, uh, and all of those things didn't necessarily work in harmony for every individual. So a lot of people who were used to larger returns got smaller ones. Uh, it did work in the converse uh, occasionally, um, but most people kind of uh, were a little bit surprised at the bottom line. Uh, I think that's because they listen to the news and exactly. they automatically assume, oh, this is past, it's going to affect me. And then sometimes it did more or less, mm -hmm. but it really is individual. It absolutely is. But I would certainly, you know, recommend that people look at that withholding this year. And again, it's not just withholding from wages. Sometimes it's withholding from those IRA distributions or your pension or your social security. Look to see at what sources of income you have and where that withholding is coming from. If you were really short last year um, and you're really short again this year, the government's going to start penalizing you for that. And so it's something that you need to look into. So when we talk about the things that, that we look at in May, June, and July, a big thing that we look at is just making sure that we have enough tax withholding for the current year and make those modifications if you need to. Uh, for example, the IRS has a very nice uh, withholding calculator on their website. So if you, if you go to irs.gov, you'll see an icon on there. And if you have your information with regard to your wages and your spouse's wages and all of the things that sort of impact your tax liability, you can do that calculator and you can get a sense of whether or not you're going to continue to owe or if you're going to be getting refunds. So make those withholding modifications. What really goes hand in hand with that also is looking at your, at your employer plan deferrals and looking to see how much are you putting away into those 401k plans or those 403b plans. Can you afford maybe to put in more? 
Uh, does your employer offer a Roth component? Uh, potentially, that might be a good place for you to be saving money, again, given your tax situation. And what's the percentage? So we'll sit down and say, you can afford to put in 20% of your contribution into the Roth because we don't want to elevate your taxes here, and this would be a, a good amount. So it's one of the few ways that higher wage earners can actually save tax-free. Absolutely. Uh, if you're a high wage earner, you don't really have an opportunity to put money in a, in a Roth IRA, for example. The IRS does not allow contributions when your income hits certain levels. So potentially putting money in that Roth 401k plan is your only option to have tax-free money in retirement. Mm -hmm. One of the other things, Sandra, that sits down, that comes down a lot is that I'll be working, we'll be working with a client and they'll say something like, can I retire early? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What does that look like? How do I bridge that gap? And should I take social security? And, And then we talk about, again, it comes into how do they pay taxes? And very often we have clients and they're making estimated taxes and then all of a sudden they come in and say, I am bored. I want to start working again. (laughs) And then it shifts again. Absolutely. And so those are all the different stages that it really, it really does make sense for people to look at and bridging that gap in retirement and how do I pay for health care and what's the impact. Um, Those are questions that, you know, I always was telling Julie, earlier that I think we have always been great, but now we are so much greater. (laughs) (laughs) Having someone with your expertise and a team to sit and help us with our clients. And sometimes I sit back and, you know, it's one of those things you look backwards and you say, how did we do all that? How did we, you know, really give people advice? We did. And I don't think we gave advice, but we helped them to recognize the things that, that we could look at. And then we would talk and try to talk with their um, accountant. But I don't know how we didn't have someone like right by our side all the time. And just on a company point of view, it makes so much more sense now than trying to play telephone tag and trying to figure out. And, it, you know, everything looks older a month or two down the road. It's really when you want to do it is when you're all sitting down, you're looking at it together. Doing that over the telephone makes it a little bit more difficult to understand because I know you're so good at reading people's faces and you'll say, do you understand that? <laughs> well, and I think it's it's important to, you know, for me to have a rapport with those people because when I'm sitting down, I have to understand where they're coming from and I have to be able to help them get to where they want to go. Um, you know, again, we talk about the tax brackets. If, you know, we can save 10% just by making wise decisions from one year to the next. When you look at that long term, that has a huge impact on the, the long term, you know, ability of their assets to live with them. That has a big ability to retire early. Uh, so really important from a tax planning perspective that we look at things on an annual basis and we really pay attention to what kind of assets we have, and how best to distribute those. My guest today is Sandra Geisler. She's the Director of Tax Planning. When we come back, let's talk about houses. I love to talk about houses, and I love to say you can't eat your house. (laughs) (laughs) And so looking at how does a house play in your overall plan, but also, you know, we talk a lot about having home equity lines of credit, which you can't deduct right now. But when you look at what portfolios have been 
having the opportunity to earn, and you look at maybe borrowing against your home equity line at 3%, maybe it still makes sense to use your home equity line of credit rather than taking it out of your IRA and paying 30% on there. So with that, we'll be right back. That's a good hook. I hope you stay tuned. Sandra Geisler, and Sandra is the Director of Tax Planning for the Ellen Becker Investment Group, and it's it's just, it's so much, I mean, our business is so much fun. Sandra, you've got this great big <laughs> smile on your face. I'm smiling. You know, it's... It, it's just the most wonderful feeling to every single day go home and make a difference. I absolutely agree. I, I love my job and I love working with all of the clients, really being, being able to affect some change for them. It's just, uh, it's, you know, it's just a joy because tax planning can be an ugly word <laughs> and, and nobody thinks about, you know, tax planning but we say tech we're going to have Sandra there and they're like yay you know and and even if it's just a confirm you're doing exactly the right thing but to really have somebody that's actually looking at it on a quarterly basis and annual basis because as I said so many people including myself initially thought of taxes as April 15th Many people that I work with, it's it's very interesting, you know, when I come into a meeting and I start to talk to people and I get a sense of where they are tax-wise. Some people look as though they're, you know, white as a ghost. A they don't headlight. they don't want to talk about taxes at all, but it's it's so important for people to kind of understand the impact that that has, you know, on their on their the longevity of their assets. And uh, and some people are really really into it and so they're really excited to talk to me. But the important thing is when I when I have a, a, a an opportunity to start a relationship with people, they can always reach out to me. And so even if they, you know, they're deer in the headlights and they're not really thinking about their questions, oftentimes they'll follow up and I'm, and I'm here all the time. And so it's great for them to always have that reference. Well, the thing that is just amazing, and we could not have known this, was that um, when you came in the first time and people were more like deer in the headlights a lot of times about their taxes, and then you see them the second and the third time, all of a sudden I started to realize how um, uninformed most people were mm-hmm. about how their taxes were being done, what they could save. It was just sort of like handing in papers and getting things. Most people really weren't getting tax planning advice. They weren't expecting it. And they actually were working with someone that maybe that wasn't what their total job was. And now people really, our clients really enjoy learning and thinking about how they can take control of things that are done just as they're living their life and planning. Exactly. It's in the back of their head. Right. And sometimes I think my my title should be Director of Tax Education <laughs> because sometimes I feel like that's really what I'm doing. But it's that is so, what you're doing. It's absolutely so important because I want to make sure that we're not just doing things that, that they're not understanding why we're doing them. Or we're not doing them right. At, right. And very frequently I like to even kind of spend some time historically and say, remember when we recommended that you take that extra $30,000 out of your IRA last year? Here's the tax impact. Here's how little tax you paid on that $30,000. If we would have waited five more years, you would have paid X. And I think sometimes 
when people see those numbers and, and we able to show them that comparison, it really starts to hit home for them. Yeah. Okay, so before I took the break, I said you can't eat your house. That's right. <laughs> one, of my, one of my savings because the reality is it's one of those investments that, again, I think like IRAs, when we were encouraged to put as much as we possibly could into tax-deferred IRAs, annuities, um, with the idea that when we got down to the idea of retirement, we'd be in a lower tax bracket, only to find out that we no one could have really known how much savings means um, how much money people would save in their IRA and never really thinking about, oh, every every dollar, every $100 that goes in there, Uncle Sam's going to take some of it, depending on what my taxes, because it's actually taxes, ordinary income. Well, one of the things about your IRA is you actually can get your money out. You may have to pay tax on it, but you can get your money out. And if you want it early, you may have to pay a penalty, but you can get your money out. You can't get your money out of a house. That's right. Nobody told us when we bought our house. Everybody says, pay off your house, pay off your house. And a lot of our clients have paid off their house. And there it sits, a couple hundred thousand, 500000 700000 whatever the number is. And there their money sits. And then they look at me and say, I want to live in there forever. I want to die in my house. And I go, oh, your kids are going to be happy. They're going to get your house proceeds, and that's their inheritance. And they'll go, well, no, I don't think I have to leave my kids anything because they're all doing well. And I'll go, well, if you stay in your house the rest of your life, you're going to have to pass it. And then we start to have that conversation about what should you do with your house what does the next step look? Do you want to use it as part of your portfolio? Do you want to You have a home equity line of credit on there? You have so much in your IRA. It may make sense to look at that as a way of offsetting some of your cash flow needs that you have. The house, and some people have three houses. Some people have a, a, a family gathering home on a lake or somewhere else. Houses are a big conversation, and we're starting conversations and new conversations around them all the time, and we bring in you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the conventional wisdom for so long uh, has always been you have to have a house. You have to have a house. Otherwise, you're going to get killed in taxes. Uh, I remember as a, as a young professional, that's the first thing my mother said to me was, you have to buy a house so we can, we can get those deductions. Don't pay rent. Right. And, and honestly, you know, over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years or so, things have sort of changed a little bit, right? We had the, the housing market collapse in 2008, and people lost a lot of that equity that they thought they had in their house. And so people are kind of looking now at, you know, are we, are we getting the appreciation that we used to get, you know, 20 or 30 years ago? And is renting so bad? And is renting so bad, right. The other thing, you know, from a tax perspective that has really changed recently, last year, in fact, was the changes to the itemized deductions. Uh, now the standard deduction is is a pretty significant number for a married couple um, under the age of 65. In 2019, you can deduct $24,400. Um, you need a lot of mortgage interest to beat that number. Um, and so really only about 10% of households now are itemizing deductions. And that's the only way to get a tax benefit from your mortgage interest. Um, we also have a limitation in the state and local tax deduction, which includes your property taxes. So if you're not itemizing deductions, you're literally getting no tax benefit at all, at least on the federal return for home ownership. Uh, that starts to negate really the benefits of, of 
owning a home. And what about multiple homes in multiple places? And of course, we look at the estate planning there because, again, if you are going to, if you have homes in different states, you're going to have a probate for your children in every one of those states. So that multiple homes, um, properties, um, farms, hunting properties are huge. And you really do need to take a look at that and talking about the step up in basis and should you sell it? Should you keep it? Those are big tax questions. Yeah, they absolutely are. Because as you said, sometimes the value of those properties gets to be a pretty significant portion of that of your legacy of your estate. Uh, And so we really look at that. We look at at how that's impacting you on a tax basis and an annually. Um, and then certainly we look at that in a long-term perspective. Um, one of the things that you brought up was, you know, potentially that second home. Um, again, very little tax uh, benefit that you're getting on an annual basis. But it also is not eligible for the exclusion on capital gains when that real estate is sold. Uh, your primary residence uh, under certain uh, fairly easy to follow rules uh, allows you to take a exclusion. Um, so as long as you don't have over a certain amount of gain, you don't have to pay any tax when you sell that. That is not the case necessarily with your second home or your third home. Um, and so that's something that's really important that we look at with our clients and, and their children. We also have a lot of clients who have rental income, home rental prob- properties. We have a lot of clients who have sold businesses and they've maintained the ownership on the building that maybe they owned. So this is something that not only effectively goes for, we always say, our traditional clients, but our business clients looking at that. um, Effectively, we just had someone come in as a new client who paid a humongous amount of tax last year that with some good tax planning could have really saved it, and it was too late. You couldn't go back and do that. So we don't want it to be too late for anybody. So, Sandra, when we come back, let's just talk a little bit about some of those different types of income, rental income, pension income, Social Security income, um, how it affects the, the taxes, both when people are working, but also when they are retired. And with that, we'll be right back. Enjoying this show with the, our director of tax planning, Sandra Geisler. You can go to ellenbecker.com and you can go to radio shows. You can go to Money Sense and you're able to listen to, to it again or you can forward it to someone that you feel might benefit. Sandra, at the end there, I was saying rental income, um, houses, um, all the things that get put onto the, to the tax form. I think a lot of times people don't they just know that they have it. They don't really know if there's ways that they can manage it differently to have a, a, a different impact and a different outcome. So there are so many different things out there um, that that contribute to the, that whole tax bottom line. Oh, absolutely. And, and rental income is really a, a, an especially important one and one that I talk to clients about frequently. Um, Rental income is great. Uh, Owning rental property is great until you have to sell it. (laughs) And then Uncle Sam gets a really big bite of that. Uh, So before people 
um, decide that they're going to sell their rental property or their business or things like that, um, they really need to be talking to their to their tax planner because that's a really important consideration. Um, timing of that is critical with regard to managing tax liability. Um, without getting to all the nitty-gritty details, uh, what ends up happening when rental property is sold is you have to pay tax on any appreciation that you've had on that property. But the other thing that people don't recognize is that you also have to pay back all of the depreciation expense that you've taken over the years. So if you've owned rental property for 20 or 30 years, potentially it's even completely depreciated. Um, that can be upwards of a, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, uh, and Uncle Sam wants to have all that tax liability paid back to them. So it's a really important consideration and something that we look at from a timing perspective. Is this a good year one for you to have all that income? Or what are some ways that we can potentially defer some of that? Um, there are some strategies that we can talk about that, that may or may not work for individual people, but at least they need to sort of recognize, uh, I might be receiving, you know, the the benefits of selling this property, um, but a good chunk of that's going to go back to the government. So we look at things like step-up basis and things like that when we're talking about selling rental property and something that we really want to look at, certainly from a tax perspective. Well, and sometimes the amount of income that somebody is receiving is so much greater than the income you can earn when you actually sell the property. Exactly. The risk, of course, is always, will you continue to get the rent, mm -hmm. especially if you've sold a business and the business is renting from you, the new business. And with um, a lot of times with rental properties, I have someone right now working with that this has been just great, but now all of a sudden all this income they've had now the apartments and the homes that they own that they rent have to have new roofs. They have to have things done. And now the income isn't so great mm -hmm. anymore because so much has to be done to maintain them. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a cycle. It absolutely is. And, and so that's why, again, that's why the tax planning piece is so important to be able to look at the individual situation and see what makes the most sense you know, for each client. Are there? I know we don't have a whole lot of time left. Are there any things that you wanted to just mention with this year, some of the things as you're talking to our clients that stand out to you? You know, I think uh, there, there's a couple things. I think, um, as we talked about earlier in the show today, you know, looking at uh, people in early in their retirement years, um, those are really key years as far as I'm concerned. Um, and we look from a standpoint of making sure that, that they have a good tax diversification on their assets. Um, and so when we meet with younger people, we, we want to make sure that they're looking at tax diversification too, because they need to fill up those buckets. They need to make sure that they have some assets that are taxable and some that are tax-free. And of course, we're going to have some tax deferred as well. Um, but when we get to those years when we start talking about retirement, that tax diversification is very, very important. One of the things, just a note on there, is that I find is as we talk to our, our clients. And one of the things that's really important to us is that we work with families. Mm -hmm. And so very often we'll say, well, so-and-so out of college just started, or your son, have they done the powers of attorney for health care? Have they done their planning? And then, you know, we'll talk to the our adult children of our clients and realize that they signed up for their 401k 
10 years ago, and they have never changed it or really looked at it. And we didn't have this option of doing tax-free. Tax and we find out that, you know, they're in their earlier stages of earning, and doing the Roth is absolutely phenomenal for them. But they, they didn't even realize the option, and they didn't know how to make the decision to do it or not. So working with families has been has become real real important and you work with many of our clients children and we really look at that legacy planning as being an important piece of being able to pass those assets down one of the things that i love best about my job is is working with clients and then as you said you know they'll say hey you know my 16 year old had a job for the first time this year and can you do their tax return sure of course i can help well fast forward 20 years and now that 16 year old <laughs> I'm making 401k recommendations and and telling them, you know, they're going to get a child tax credit for their second baby. And and that planning starts at a very young age. And and I think we do a phenomenal job of that with regard to legacy planning and and family wealth. And making sure they have enough life insurance. And how much is enough? Mm -hmm. How much, you know, it used to be that kids got life insurance just based on the fact of the value of their house. But now so much more goes into that because now we've got two people in a family working and replacing two incomes rather than one income if something should happen. Yeah, as, as, <clears throat> as life happens, right, the tax planning and the financial advice that you get has to change with you. When we talk about legacy planning, Sandra, I know Julie always says that, you know, she tells her clients too that when you pass away, what you're really passing part of your legacy is the people that you work with. So sitting back and and knowing if something happened, is your wife going to be in a good position? Is she going to um, be able to make decisions and carry on? Because so much of what we know, we know, and it's not in writing and people don't understand. But the same is true as if something happened to both of you. We always plan for worst case scenario. When your children step in, part of your legacy is the attorney you work with, the accountant you work with, your financial advisor who helps you with, with all of these different different things. And so we really do pride ourselves in putting together that team for our clients that we really do care and are trustworthy and are going to help them through some of those really tough conversations. And we already know them. We yes. know their situations. And so I think there's a lot of comfort in the people that are left behind, knowing that there's somebody and a team of people in place that can walk them through all of the things that they need to go and through. And they don't have to tell the story. Exactly, because we already know the story. <laughs> we We're know. part of the story. We're part of the story. So that makes it great. Do you have, we only have a, a minute or so here left. Do you have a last, uh, one last, I don't want to say tip, but one last thing to say to our listeners and our, our clients out there in terms of, of planning for this year? You know, I think my, my best advice is to just make sure that uh, the preparer that you're working with is also helping you during the year, that you have a relationship with somebody that you can go to and say, hey, can you just can you check my withholding or can you check my contributions or how much should I be taking out of my IRA this year? Do I have any room left in my bracket? You know, make sure that you have that you have a good resource to help you make those good tax decisions. Should I buy my car? Should I lease my car? Should I sell my house? Should yes. I buy that cottage? All kinds of things. All those good you things. You need those those 
referrals. My guest today is Sandra Geisler. She is the Director of Tax Planning for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And thank you very much. Always a pleasure to do the radio show with you. I hope everyone has a really great weekend. And as always, remember that um, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always, always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye.